0: I'm so So glad glad you're here.
1: here. Hello, and welcome to Town Ritual's Red Tent Gathering. In this episode, I've invited guests to come and share their experiences and what drives them to move. Music is found all over the world, making it a great unifier. From the busker on the corner street, the regular pumping bass of nightclubs and live bands, through the orchestras of professional musicians to the deepest woods and lands where tribes and indigenous peoples reside, music exists and movement follows. My grandfather, a musician and music teacher, told me music was the language of the world. No matter where you went, there it was, and no matter where you are, it would move you. My journey, my own journey with dance began as a child through ballet and jazz classes. As I grew into my teens, the call to dance and move faded, replaced by self-consciousness, a desire to move no greater or wilder than my peers. I embraced headbanging, mosh pits, and body surfing instead. In my 20s, I shuffled and swayed my hips to the deep base of clubs and raves with false confidence created by booze, friends, and drugs. Sweaty, ecstatic, linked to those around me with chaotic and repetitive motions. Despite all the flailings around, I barely moved my feet. In my dating years, I took a man to a private swing dance lesson. It was something we were both curious about. We had a one-upmanship when it came to surprise dates and this particular date introduced us both to social dancing, the give and take of direction, the lead and follow relationship, the call and response of the body to connection. I studied studied swing dancing and dug myself into the local community in Toronto and while living in Australia. I learned to move my body as a response from the subtle direction of another. Swing dancing or social dancing is the opportunity to connect and fall in love for a few moments over and again as you change partners with each song. It is to open and accept another as they also accept you drawn together through the powerful push and pull of the connection. Later in my 30s, I saw a dancer perform at a festival. Glittery, costumes, props to thrill, and I was left speechless. Her performance pushed me to seek a new community of dance, and so began my journey of, to learning to dance alone, something I realized I'd forgotten how to do after a decade of swing outs at the direction of a lead. No matter how many times I searched the internet, or reached out to dance studios, I was pulled consistently to the Dark Side Studio, formerly in Kensington Market. Entering the studio, I was told we danced without shoes or socks, so bare feet it was. My classmates were a variety of genders, body shapes, and levels of experience. My teacher was vibrant and expressive, teaching moves and combos with sounds and exclamation, ka-cha, pop, pop, boom, dropping the need to count out the steps Encouraged to find groove and movement outside of the beat. What I hadn't expected was being confronted with myself and my body. I stood there, facing the mirror. There was no way to hide. Post-pregnancy belly, arms that seemed foreign to graceful flow, legs that required strong will to move in a fresh perspective, and being instructed to isolate here, sink in there, roll your belly up, now down, chest up, chest down, slide. I thought I knew my body. I thought I knew how to move it. Yet here I was, frustrated by the limitations of muscles, teaching my brain to be aware of not only my feet, but the whole limb and the discovery of body parts that seemed to have no sensation at all, because I'd never even considered them. I had to forget what I thought I knew and fall in love with myself anew. So through years of attending classes and taking a 10-day intensive, I found a place for healing and rediscovery a journey to my inner self and a different kind of expression. My soul sparked with new fire by the opportunity to move and express myself without the limitation of keeping it on the beat. I started to listen to the layers within the music and found release through movement as prayer and healing. It was and is an opportunity to literally shift my energy and perspective of myself. There were days I showed up to the studio with a broken spirit and a lost heart I remember crying through those classes, left alone to sort through my emotions, my instructor always keeping a subtle observation of me, checking in with a questioning eye and a nod to continue as you need to. Movement has provided me an outlet when words fail, when emotions have no name and when the mind and spirit have required an outlet beyond talking and beyond tears. Movement has helped me find strength, confidence, and is now a moving meditation when I remember to stop dancing and to sink into the call of energy coursing through my body. So today I've asked two people to join me for this discussion to share their journey and passion for movement and dance. So I'd like to welcome Andrea, who's been here before and is someone that I met at the Dark Side Studio and our wonderful instructor, Audra Simmons, who is the owner and instructor at the Dark Side Studio. Hello, I'm so glad you're here.
2: Hello, I'm
0: so glad you're all here. Hi, I'm I'm
2: so glad you were both
0: here.
1: (laughs) So it's nice, I haven't like, I feel like I've spoken to you both in bits and pieces through the pandemic, but it's nice to have a conversation with you again. Yes. So I know that Audra, that I've privately over the years showed you um, how what you provided as a dance teacher and through the studio really changed my life. And I know Andrea and I have discussed how wonderful the experience has been for us as individuals. Um, but I've never, I've never had the opportunity to ever talk to you about how you came to be in this place and, and be inquisitive and curious about your journey. And you don't have to answer this right away, but I, I am curious if, if you ever had an inkling um, about the impact that you'd have on people's lives with your gift.
2: Uh the short answer would be that no, <laughs> I didn't really have any idea. Um, I'm, even though I have read the words that you just spoke before, uh, hearing you say them out loud really uh, was deeply moving to know that, um, to know that I could possibly have any any way into touching someone so deeply is something I really didn't have any idea I would ever be able to do or even aspire to quite honestly I, I I'm i it overwhelms me when I hear these stories I'm thrilled to hear them and and I I think that it, though I got here, I got to this place uh, of, of changing people's lives uh, quite by accident in many ways. I, I think I'm very comfortable with hearing these stories because I feel like while I may have facilitated it, you, you really did the work. And, and the people who who feel that the movement classes are life changing, it's really they do the work. I provide the space and I, I, I help them to try to find that within them but but really it's you know it's it's the, pe- the person that does it themselves
1: and you you do give us a lot of work to do <laughs> and yes. i mean that's really loving way like, it's wonderful work yeah even when it's like you're trying to move this piece of your body and feel it out and like oh that's a part of me
3: mm-hmm.
1: I, I didn't know i could move like that and um, but i think for some people, specifically for me, I guess, that there was like this unleashing of like, like maybe trauma or memories, that things that just needed to come out. Um, and maybe that was that was never the intention when I showed up there. I just wanted to learn how to move my butt and my <laughs> hips and like do some, some chest up and chest down. But um, yeah, so I mean, do you mind talking a little bit about kind of where your dance journey started and like, what pulled you towards doing this?
2: Absolutely. Um, I think that it started in the same way that it started for you. It sounds like Stephanie, I, um, I just wanted to dance. I actually, even more than that, I actually just wanted an evening out. I'd had two children in 18 months and I went from, um, a busy social life. I managed a restaurant and a bar and I went out quite a lot and uh, I went from that to having two kids and I needed something to do that was regular. So I wanted to sign up for some sort of a class and I happened to see a belly dance class um, sort of advertised in one of these like this changed my life kind of stories on TV. Um, and I, I didn't go expecting that, but I I thought oh dancing I've always liked to dance and I just used to dance in bars and socially I've never taken dance lessons before but I thought oh, I'll go and do this it'll be kind of fun it's kind of a crazy thing to do this belly dance thing um and I I loved moving and I loved everything about these classes I I too was fascinated by uh, the idea that I could you know find a muscle in my hip and move it in a certain way and I was so mesmerized by my instructor's ability to move her body in these ways that it just it, it really became an obsession right from the start um, and the process of of doing what I do now which I think is still belly dance yes but it's more of this idea of helping people to find the movement in themselves and to connect with themselves and to connect with their own body that happened very much by accident. I think the start of it probably was when I got a, a back injury. Oh um, wow. Yes, I uh I bulged a disc in my low back and I was in uh, the most pain I've ever been in in my life. It was not good. Uh, I could barely walk. I couldn't sit. Uh, I had to lie down. That was the only position for me that held any bit of relief though it was temporary. And I was deep into dancing at this point, I had just opened my own studio. I was training extensively with a dancer from the US whose technique was very demanding physically and mentally. And um, I couldn't, I couldn't move, I couldn't do anything. And this during the process of healing, which took probably two years, all total, for me to get up and actually be able to dance freely again. I started to question why I was teaching and why I was pursuing this technical feat of, of this the, trying to get these levels and trying to do all this testing. And it really started to seem to me like I was following someone else's path. And the work that I had done while I was healing confirmed some of the beliefs that I found were very personal to my relationship to dance which was a little bit less heavy on the technical side of it and a little bit more heavy on the what does it feel like when you arch your body in this way and what kind of emotion does that convey that started to excite me and that was in I think like 2004 2003, and I think that I would say I kind of started to be able to look at other people and notice that my insistence on them being able to do a specific technical move at a specific speed, while I still wanted them to be able to push themselves physically, I I kept coming back to this idea of our bodies are different, our desires are different, our abilities are different. And so I wanted instead of aiming towards this idea of the what does the perfect dancer able to do, insert air quotes there, um, it, you know, what what can I do? And, and how is my body different from Andrea's body? And how is my body different from your body, Stephanie? And, and what what differences can we find, as well as what commonplaces can we find not only to move, but in in connection to our bodies.
1: That's really beautiful. <laughs> and I, w- I would say as one of your students, you really, I mean, when I showed up, I thought I was showing up for one thing. And what I got was <laughs> something very different and, and, you know, really embrace it. I mean, I was making some notes here. And I remember once I don't remember what the instruction was, but I completely misunderstood it uh, but I interpreted it as, "Well, I'm a tossed salad," and spent all this time <laughs> like, "Well, like, if I was a bunch of vegetables in a bowl. What would I look like as movement?" And and I, I mean, it was so foolish, but it was so satisfying. But I felt like I also had so much permission and space to just dance with abandon, because I it was a space of non judgment. I mean, right. We, moved our bodies in some pretty weird ways
2: oh absolutely <laughs>
1: always, yeah like, <laughs> well just talking about weird movement uh I'm gonna pull Andrea in because I don't actually Andrea I don't know if I've ever told you this but I actually love watching you perform I feel like I fall into this mesmerized trance and I'm like wow look at her go I love her that. can she do that again no she's not going you know, I I love watching you dance. I, it's always been so inspiring for me because it's almost like for me, I just feel like uh, the word that comes to mind is disassociate. That you like fall into
0: this other mindset. It's it's interesting because we, the, the toss salad scenario. <laughs> I remember being in class, and and I think that was the beautiful part of of this this invite were in i was in awe i was like oh my god like what crazy concept but it was so awe-inspiring because i was like it just it was the 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 okay to do Were absolutely when you think about it seem peculiar or bizarre or whatever but it was okay, and that's why we were there to do that. <laughs> and, and I think is, um, you know, being self conscious of the and being um visible to anybody, I really suppressed my um movement for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I love me some hard base like I just I just want to roll around but how, was always you know growing up was very very self-conscious of you know being seen and, um, I remember it was like mid30s um, I to this pretty the alternative dance club would play some pretty, you know, heavy, heavy music, which I absolutely adored, and I would just like creep around that dance floor and just—it didn't matter what any. All doing our own thing, and it was the first time that felt like I could absorb that music and just let out my pores. And it was just such a freeing experience, um, and and I loved to dance. It was like the, you know, I couldn't look forward to anything else except for that in my in my week. And it just it was a huge part of my life. Um, and a few late years later, I kind of uh, I'd stopped going. Things had changed. My life had changed, and and I didn't have that. But I really wanted to get back dance. Um, so I, I went to a you know, traditional, what would be traditional belly dance guided class. And and it was fun, but it was just, it was kind of, you know, this way, three steps that way. It was very structured. And that was really, really hard for me because I, I don't want to, don't have coordination it was just I I wanted it too much to work and I think it was hindering me and so um, I coming to the dark side as well and I first started coming it was it was very much a guilty pleasure (laughs) Um, like I just thought I was enamored you know, Audra, and the way you moved, and watching the other dancers and how um, their movement was just so um, breathtaking. And, you know, I to performances, and I because the connection to the movement to the music uh, was just overwhelming. That's just had to sob because it was so unbelievable and um it took took a I don't know about six months of classes and I had this moment I was like I I get this I think my body is finally connecting and it took me back to that time being dark dingy club where I just danced for myself and those um, doing things that I think were expected, kind of um, looking at ways to move that are not expected really, really helped develop and, and just really opened me up to what is actually natural for my body to do not a structured pre-designated movement. That's what to me that connection with music and and people. Um, like that's it, uh, that's just what movement and music music and dancing means to me.
2: I think it's really interesting. Sorry, Steph. I think it's really interesting that um, you you talk about the starting traditionally because that's where I started too. And and as you were talking, Andrea, I, I remembered some of the ways that I felt doing that traditional belly dance, and it was that I didn't fit because yep. I'd I'd had a, two babies and I had you know the post pregnancy belly and I had the Breastfeeding mom boobs and, and and you know I didn't I didn't fit the the body size or the body type of of the costuming, and I, I wanted that so badly because I I wanted to belong and I thought that if I continued to do this I would I would feel good, and and it turns out for me and and this is not true for everyone I know this but for me that was a not going to lead me to myself and I had to abandon those things you know you talked about the toss salad Stephanie and I think <laughs> that part of part of what I love about that is that I may have not said toss salad no you
1: didn't you were like <laughs> how did you get there that wasn't what I told you to that talk.
2: wasn't what I told you to do. but at the same time I also think like if that's what it, somehow you got there that's what i want you to do you know like that's more important to me as a teacher but also as a person the freedom to be able to go oh the instructions are this and then somehow arrive at toss salad and move (laughs) for 10 minutes as a toss salad with some shock afterwards that this was not the task you know like that's that's where i want to be i want to have that freedom like andrea was talking about being in the club where you can just like find your groove and you can hide in the dark and you can just move in the ways that feel good mm-hmm. to you because the music gets you. Yes. Because yeah. moving in your own body is amazing.
1: You know? And, and I think that I, to continue that is also the idea that as we come to know our bodies and be comfortable in them and understand how to move them and and how they want to move that self-consciousness we have in those spaces with other people that someone's watching (laughs) who cares i look amazing look at my arm it's the only thing i'm moving you know (laughs) but then there's that there's a whole dialogue and there's there's something that happens in your own mind or at least for me when I'm dancing and I'm I think one of the things I also learned uh with taking classes and the intensive with you was there was a focus on music and to see how my music listening uh, has changed that there's been a real pullback from pop and realizing like oh I listened to a lot of like pop kind of formulaic music and now I'm listening to all this other stuff but then I'm just picking that like obscure layer in there and that's all i'm dancing to and someone's like what are you doing i'm like oh i'm dancing to this instrument you know it's um right really great to have a different different appreciation for it
2: yes and i think music is so such an important part of what i teach and and i feel like you have to find a way to connect to some kind of music that moves you it doesn't matter if it's pop or avant-garde jazz or bizarre electronica (laughs) or, you know, some, a drone, it doesn't matter what it is, but finding a sound that allows you to sort of escape the confines of the discussion that often goes on inside your head, uh, the criticism that goes on inside your head, the rumination that goes on inside, connecting to that external sound and having that take you over for this non-verbal session of of movement is so important so so important i wanted to
1: uh also go back to the comment you had that you had after you'd had your children you wanted a place to dance um so i have two comments one i remember you were asking us to do something with uh the muscles kind of in our above our pelvic bone and i just couldn't do it. And I remember you, you were so kind, and you walked up and you said, Stephanie, I know you had a cesarean section, and these muscles might no. not be there for you. And I, w- I remember being so deeply frustrated. And then I was like, Oh, she just gave me gave me permission to be frustrated, but also curious about building um, a new relationship with this part of my body, because my birth with my son had been fairly traumatic. Right. And whenever you asked me to work in that part of my body, it was always really hard. And the fact that you you knew what had happened to my body, and that you were able to be so kind about it and say, it's okay, you know, it's just going to take you time, because mm-hmm. I was still really healing from the birth in, in some ways. And um, those were some of the things I never expected when I showed up there. I mean, when I showed up, I thought I was showing up for some sort of belly dance and I got <laughs> something <laughs> something that was, and it was also something, um, something else. But one of the other comments I wanted to make that you were talking about wanting to go um, dancing and you had started going to these events. And it's at the time that I was building my dance repertoire, I guess, mm-hmm. um, I also discovered the ecstatic dance community, which was really beautiful for me because I also, didn't want to be hitting the dance floor at 11 o'clock at night. I wanted to be hitting it at 8 PM. And I found that community. I will say the most disheartening thing for me. Um, and I don't, I'm not going to say this is for all women, but I've discovered that it doesn't matter what community in you're in. There are already, there are always creepers. And, and I started finding that when I would go to those dance events, because I remember you were always like eyes up, dance with your eyes up. And when I would go to those dance events, I would, dance with my eyes cast down because I didn't want to give anyone that opening while I'm thinking into myself and it's been one of the things unfortunately that sometimes keeps me from going out because I'm like I do not have the tolerance to deal with creepy people anymore that's totally sidebar but
2: yeah I think well I think that's one of the great things that ended up happening that I I I don't think I planned for it consciously but it grew naturally out of my desire to continue to foster people finding the movements that were gelling with each individual person is that the idea of how comfortable everyone needed to feel in order to be able to access these places that i was asking them to go became i I don't want to say the most important thing to me but it's certainly high uh, on my importance level, you mentioned something in the introduction that, you know, my eyes were kind of, you know, sort of on you when you were a little teary and, you know, with this sort of unconscious like nodding or uh, to, to go ahead and continue. And I feel like when I teach, I'm, I, I've got all my feelers out. I need to make sure everyone who's involved in this is opening up themselves because you can't do that if there's a creeper around, you know, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. And so we all have to put ourselves out there. and, and I have to do that too, as the, the instructor. I have to I have to let you know that I can see you're, you're feeling uncomfortable in order for you to let that go, possibly yeah. at some point, you know, And that's that's something that I feel like it, you need a closed situation for you know, so, so the classes are perfect because I I can monitor who comes and every once in a while there have been people who have come through, had come through the studio, um, who in one way or another weren't quite right. And eventually they weren't, they left because, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone needed to feel that safe place in order to, to let our, our, ourselves go I mean I think maybe that's like kind of a sad comment on society in some ways but you know when you find those places and those people that you're comfortable with and it doesn't have to always be through movement but it's certainly been through movement for the last 20 years for me you know that I've been able to find those people that I feel comfortable with and able to let go
1: yeah
0: the I I just a little bit about the studio um, because it definitely is a very very welcoming secure space to make yourself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Um, It was was a beautiful space and you know from one end to the other those big gorgeous mirrors but I have to say that very rarely did I look at myself I kind of would see myself in my peripherals. Um, but what was, you know, practicing and what we were exploring, um, really helped me heighten, you know, connecting the way my body with the movements that we were doing, and with music that we were moving to, and you know the 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 huge range of sound and just that feeling and the connection and you, the sound effects <laughs> that you, you, you mentioned those, but I mean, it really was, uh, I, I, I mean, I unconsciously often, and, and I could, I would make little sounds or, you know, kind of things to remember that when I'm doing this, it's going to sound like that, or it's going to feel like that and that connection. Um, but also to let us just um, give ourselves that permission to move freely. And that really was a big thing um, that, you know, when you would walk away at the end of the night after a class or three classes, you would, you would just feel that, that openness, that you had released and just mm. kind of given yourself to movement. And I think about um, stuff during COVID. We had a few times we had gone and done that silent disco. There was just three or four of us in the park. Um, and okay. I remember we had created our own playlist, but there was also, um, I don't there was another class that was kind of going on behind us and I always and not in a horrified or self-conscious way but in the giggly way thinking that people walking by and seeing us move to what they thought that other class was taking because we were just moving in a completely different way doing our own and that actually bought, brought me a whole lot of joy me too <laughs> of, of, of pushing against what people expect you hear something and and they're a different way and it just kind of compounded um, a lot of what we did um, as we explored with movement nice. and and music nice
1: I, I remember that I remember that one night, and I think I think it was a hip hop class. Something that like was, that, yeah, yeah. And they were under they were under the bentway, um, and they were doing their thing. And, um, Audra, the grid game is actually something. If I'm on a dance floor, I will play the grid game <laughs> by myself <laughs> all over the dance floor. But I remember that day in the park, and I was watching them, and I was like, "Ooh, look at that move! How can I do it differently?" Yeah, but yeah, just, yeah. It was, and it was so much fun. And we must have looked like a bunch of weirdos, like hippie freaks just like dancing around and hopping
0: in the grass, no shoes on (laughs) kind of a dark under the. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. It's (laughs) interesting.
2: It's interesting because this idea of permission has come up a couple of times now. And I think one of the things that you're talking about, about this event in the park is that you didn't need anyone's permission Because you got into your own groove and you were able to find the movement inside yourself. And and then when you get out of that a little bit, you can look and go, oh, people must think we're like hippie freaks with our, you know, barefoot dancing and they don't even know what we're dancing to. They can't hear the music and all that stuff. And 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 I love that you were able to do that. This idea of permission to do things is really interesting to me because I have started saying over the last couple of years not that you need my permission to do whatever but you have it because sometimes even though most of us probably think of ourselves as you know fairly self-confident people and you know we wouldn't ask for permission to do a lot of things for some reason when it comes to movement a lot of people do need permission or they once they hear me say it's fine to do a toss salad. Go ahead. Um, you know, they, they, that allows them to go to a place that they might think, well, this is ridiculous, isn't it? I, but, I know, did think. That.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did think my toss salad was ridiculous, but I kept doing it because I was like, well, and I remember I was like, I am moving in some weird ways that I have never moved before, right. but right. it was working for me. So
0: yeah so who cares right yeah that's that's the thing yeah and your toss salad has stuck with me because I remember <laughs> it in class and it really struck with me as that was so freaking cool and you know every time you bring it up I'm like Mm-mm, it was amazing <laughs> that you let yourself go there yeah yeah
1: well but- It must have been some great instruction if I still carry that memory as (laughs) like a solid memory that I carry forth that I can be a tossed salad in terms of movement anytime i want i don't gonna, need anyone's permission
2: i'm gonna add that to the list of things that we investigate in creative movement
1: oh my god i, <laughs> I want to watch that class <laughs> no i want to be in my class yeah
2: i'll wait till you come to the workshop and yes. then we'll do tossed salad movement yeah i oh love it
1: god. how yeah. do you cook your salad well, we, we are almost out of time. Um, do either of you have any last thoughts or words about you know, movement or inspiring someone to who maybe is hesitant or feels like they need permission, um, you know, to inspire them to just get out and move?
2: I would say it's not uncommon to feel nervous or like it's a bad idea. Or that it's not something that you're go- you're good at. Because uh, frankly, I still feel like that when I take other forms of dance. And I think if as long as you can find some place that is comfortable for you and that you feel open enough to trying things, and that's one of the great things about this darn pandemic now that we have a, a lot of online options, I would say just just try it out. Because you never, I had no idea when I took my first class that 22, 23 years later, I would be sitting here talking about this with you and it, movement would be a fundamental part of who I am. I had no clue. No clue. That's amazing.
0: I have to agree with that taking things, and as long as you feel safe in Mm -hmm. the class that you're in, Um, I remember taking the whacking and crumping classes, (laughs) which were so out of my (laughs) realm of body movement, but boy, did we have a good time, and something that I could see myself doing now, but um, every once in a while, a little something will creep into a movement that I'm doing, or and I, well, there it is so it, it's just about exploring and you can do it once or twice doesn't mean that you're tied into but it's about just trying everything out because you find something will stick just like when I came to the dark side
3: you go. I,
0: for a <laughs> while I thought it was that guilty pleasure and then one day wow no man I'm here right it just (laughs) took over and I can't imagine doing it any other way so yeah just play around and 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 as long as you're comfortable it's it's that hunting is all part of it yeah Yeah. so I have um two last
1: thoughts but one of them is actually just something I want to share with you Audra when you were just sharing your final thoughts um I think what are the i mean you did i think you did many great things in your teachings but i remember you one day acknowledged that before you perform you have your own nervous symptoms and i like you you experience nervousness before Mm -hmm. um before you perform and and i remember carrying that with me not only to my first dance performance but it is actually something i take with me when i go and perform weddings in front of 100 to 250 people because I'm like if this woman can look so confident and be so amazing and mesmerizing to watch I can get up here and I can do this and I can be memorizing with my words in front of all of these people because you know we all experienced this and it was a really powerful thing for me to have someone that out in terms of movement that I I had so much admiration for and to realize she's just like me. She gets nervous too. She feels (laughs) like vomiting too. (laughs) I don't think Yeah, I think that honesty and that vulnerability that you bring and share is is such a powerful tool to helping the the students that you have. So
2: thank thank you for sharing that. That's really
1: beautiful. And thank you for sharing. So my last, uh, I don't necessarily have any inspiring words, so I'm going to take some quotes from Mark Twain and Rumi. So if Mark Twain said, to dance like nobody's watching, to love like you've never been hurt, sing like nobody's listening, and live like it's heaven on earth. Rumi reminds us, you dance inside my chest where no one sees you. So I take this as a reminder for both of these to use movement with a static abandon, and to connect with your spirit. So ladies, thank you so much for your openness and your honesty today. I cannot wait till we were on a dance floor or a studio floor Yay. very soon, very, very soon. soon,
2: Yes, very soon.
1: And I am so glad you're here.
2: Thank you, I'm so glad to be here. I,
0: yeah, I am no. so happy to be here with both of you. This was really wonderful.
1: Really good. Yeah. Thank you. Amy next on the podcast is a friend of mine that I've known for about two decades now named Amy, and she runs a hoop business called Hooper Sonic. Um, and I wanted to have Amy as part of the discussion because she's someone that I've known for a long time. And we you know would boogie on the dance floor uh in our 20s and i'm really curious to hear how she went from kind of a dance floor warrior to having this hula hoop business and i find it actually amy just so you know really exciting to watch your videos um, because i personally don't feel like i have that kind of coordination in my body um, so amy i'm so glad you're here
3: thanks i'm glad to be here
1: So just to um, maybe get us started, maybe you can talk a little bit about how you came to be this wonderful entrepreneur with um, HooperSonic.
3: It's actually uh, one of my favorite stories to tell people because um, when I was a child, I was a terrible hula hooper and um, I bumped into a friend one day um, on this going, you know, waiting at a streetcar stop and she had a hula hoop and I was like, so where are you going? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> She's like, well, I'm going to a hula hoop class. I'm like, a hula hoop class. And I literally scoffed. I thought that sounded ridiculous. And she said, you know what, just come to a jam. And I was like, a jam? Okay, I like jam. And uh, um, I went, to her, went with her to a jam in Withrow Park uh, one fine Tuesday evening in 2011. So I'm 30 at this point, by the way, um, and uh, I go and there was a couple of wonderful people there, you know, willing to share their hoops. And it was explained to me that, you know, the reason why you can't hoop is because you haven't been using the right hoop. So they passed me this giant hoop that was like 42 inches in diameter and showed me, you know, the proper way to do it back and forth, side to side. And then all of a sudden, I was hula hooping. And I did not stop for hours. I just kept going and going. And then they brought it ones with lights on them. It was incredible. So that's kind of my my discovery story, um, where I was literally scoffing at the idea. A week (laughs) later, I was like, Oh, my God, this is the best thing ever.
1: (laughs) That's, that's amazing. So between that experience in I think you said 2011 mm. to starting and embarking on this journey of creating um, uh, like hoop classes and and like how long did that kind of happen for you or did that evolve really quickly?
3: Gosh, I've always been like a leader. I'm I'm using air quotes here, saying leader. Like I know a lot of people, you know, use that as a nice term for bossy people. <laughs> but um, I I'm always I've always kind of you know wanted to teach people. I you know in my corporate world job that I was doing at the time I was I was training people. Um you know I I always wanted to be a teacher but thought I you know could never do that kind of thing. So um what happened was I started taking classes um and very soon after I would say less than a year after I was taking classes um with Sugar Hoops who is no longer in Toronto um, or maybe not running at all anymore but um, anyway, I took some classes, really, really liked it, learned some fun tricks. Um, then I realized there were these like hoop celebrities that like lived all over the place and they would come to different cities and teach you uh, within their expertise. So there's like people who are body rockers, which means using the big hoops and like dancing around with it on your body. There's people who do techie things with little hoops and, you know, they're doing all sorts of fancy tricks. So I started learning that. And then, um, I realized, oh my God, this is like a world, right? This is not just putting it around your waist and, and throwing your hips side to side. This is, um, this is like a community. So I, I was really interested in it. And I started talking to the woman, um, who ran sugar hoops and I was like, you know, like, could I try teaching one day? And eventually I was given the chance to, to lead a beginner's um, workshop. And this is maybe a year after teaching. And that was it. You know, I, I was like, I love teaching and people really just found it easy to kind of connect with my teaching style. I'm a very visual learner. So I like to paint pictures and people really appreciated that. And I go, well, I'm pretty good at this. And all of a sudden I was like, man, um, the, the person who owned sugar hoops left and then um uh she left the province and then i said well this is my opportunity here in 2015 to start hoopersonic so i decided to open up my own business um i was using other people's studios i was renting i've rented church basements and circus studios and dance studios and I started bringing the hoop celebrities to Toronto um, and I started jams and creating community because the original hoop mamas as we like to call them uh, kind of left the province so there was this this need for somebody to step in as the new Toronto hoop mama <laughs> that's, that's amazing yeah yeah so that that's kind of the the birth of hoopersonic. Sonic I was like I saw a need And, and in 2015, uh, March, actually, I made it happen.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That that's fantastic. Well, and it's, I mean, as someone who's known you for two decades, it's been really great to watch this evolution that you've had Mm -hmm. over the years to where you are now. Um, You know, one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do this podcast is to, to create community for women because I feel like we do I mean I think a lot of people struggle to find community but I find that women especially when we become mothers it can be really difficult and I'm just curious as to um your experience with finding that community I mean were you surprised by how how positive and supportive it was
3: and maybe yeah sorry go ahead No, I I totally was I like had no idea and I'm sure this kind of thing happens within like other communities as you know I know you do some belly dancing and stuff I'm sure there's that kind of community there but I just am not aware of it because I've not been immersed in it yeah so once I was immersed into this hoop community I was like like yeah this is a thing and um, meeting all these people from, you know, different countries and different provinces. And eventually I started to travel to hoop festivals. And, um, you know, I guess I would say hoop falls under this, what they call umbrella of flow arts. And that's a whole community in itself. So flow arts basically, you know, includes many different props that people spin. Um, so, a hula hoop is one, and then there's a poi, P O I. Um, there's staff, dragon staff. There's so many beautiful props, boo gang. Um, I'm probably talking a different language right now. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> but um, all of these props, they, they have this, this connection within the community. So, you know, eventually you're like, you start hooping and you're like, oh. I can juggle these. And then all of a sudden you're juggling clubs and then you're balancing these clubs and you're rolling them around on your body. And you're like, Oh, I can do contact juggling, which is rolling a ball. You've probably seen it. Remember David Bowie and labyrinth. He had those crystal balls. Yeah. Um, So, and then you go, Oh my God, everything I just learned in that contact juggling workshop translates into my hoop uh, rolling or, or whatever. So it's, it's this amazing community. Um, like hoop is one, just one part of it. And flow arts is this amazing, like connected community and everybody's spinning something different, but we all have something in common. We like to spin stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing. I'm going to one in, in July actually called uh, great lakes flow festival and I'm actually teaching there. Um, and, uh, it's, it's such a fun experience to go and you're like, sometimes you pick up a new prop. And, um, so yeah, the, the hoop community particularly though, I would say not to gender it, but it is predominantly women, um, within the community. Um, there are a lot of men and, you know, other, Um, in the community but uh, it is predominantly you know a a women's (laughs) community here so the fact that it is that um, is important to me I think because I never really had a community of women in my life before and once I found the hoop community I really started going like oh my god like there's these incredible women that I'm really connecting with, and it was just so important to me to find this community, you know, um, and everything's yeah. very uplifting and like cheering you on and um, teaching everybody their their skill sets, like passing down the knowledge um, from what they know to another person. It's such a beautiful thing to watch people at poop festivals um, just just sharing their knowledge um, and having so much fun doing it. The, the, the connections like that you have during these festivals, you know, people are crying at the end because they've just found something so special. Like it's nice to see the people who have never been to a festival because they spend a weekend all together. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, I found my people, you know, like it's the community is like no other I've experienced. I mean, obviously there's, know not everybody's perfect and you know
1: (laughs) well there's always things in in community that come up but i think i think it's really beautiful that you've found this community and been able to kind of um not just engage with it but to also be a leader within it and to provide space and welcoming space for people to come and be curious and i think one of the things that um, one of the reasons i wanted to do this podcast was around movement was to also kind of dig into um, how movement can be healing. I mean, we talk about how our bodies store emotion and memory and trauma in our bodies, but we don't necessarily talk yeah. how we let that go. And and I'm I'm curious. I mean, if you don't mind digging into it a little bit yeah. um, with the with Audra and Andrea who I recorded earlier. Um, you know, we did we did talk a little bit about how the the dance space is that it becomes this healing space where you can come and you are pushed with, I mean, as a teacher, Audra pushes us, but she doesn't necessarily know what we're working on internally. And I'm just curious what, you know, your experiences as a leader and someone who creates the safe spaces as to what you might've experienced yourself in a healing journey and maybe what you witnessed in some of your students.
3: Yeah. Well, I can tell you from personal experience um, and this is one of the things that I try to pass down to my students. I get a lot of people when I was doing weekly classes, which I'm not quite doing right at this moment in time. um, I was doing quite a few weekly classes and a couple of them are dedicated to fitness. So that would attract um, my beginner classes and the fitness classes would attract a lot of people that have never done hoop before. And as soon as they You know, I like to go around the room and ask people, why are you here? Like, what are you wanting to get out of this class? And a lot of the times I would get a a few people that would say, well, I want to lose my tummy or I want to burn some calories or I want to earn my dinner or, and I would (laughs) get a lot of answers like that. And I said to myself, not that long ago, actually, I said to myself, I need to stop not, not, make, not shame people for coming to, with those answers because I would never do that. But really just instead of asking that question, maybe at the beginning of class is saying like, here are the benefits that, that you're going to feel. And one of them mm-hmm. that I would really focus on is the stress relief, um, the, the release of, yeah of trauma, negativity, like anything that you need to let go of. Um, which in turn helps you feel better um, physically and mentally. So really focusing on the mental uh, health uh, benefits and not really counting calories with everybody. So that was kind of one big thing. So, I mean, I know I kind of went a little off. (laughs) No, not at all. I think this is really fascinating. Yeah, it does tie into... Um, you know, I personally have been through a lot lately. I recently lost my dad. Um, I'm so sorry, May, which is you know, um, obviously, yeah. we've talked a lot about it, but um, basically, you know, I didn't pick up the hoop for a long time because I was really taking care of my dad. I was selling his home, I was doing this, I was doing that, da, 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 da. like, I was non-stop. I was a tornado of stuff and i wasn't picking my hoop up and i noticed that i hadn't picked it up in a long time and so i went outside um, after he passed and i started practicing just doing some drills you know and i went oh my god like just doing a private lesson with somebody going outside and practicing for half an hour 20 minutes doesn't matter it's a form of of release it's also just helps you to forget about the world for a moment, right? You're moving, uh, whether you're moving freely or you're drilling something particular, you're still, you're in, you're out of your head, right? You're focused on the task and you're providing your brain a break from the anxiety and the stresses that you've been experiencing for however long. So Turning off is a good, you know, is a good thing every once in a while. I know like we should talk about things and work through things, but it's also good to just turn the F off. Right. Yes. And just focus on something that you love. And I recently have been doing a lot more lessons. I went to BC recently to a festival, hooped all weekend, taught like five workshops. And man, did I ever feel I was like, yes. I found that, that, that feeling again, that love, that connect, that connection to the hoop and connection to the community and connection to teaching again. So it, it is, it is very healing, you know, I think as all movement is um, but sometimes with the hoop, it gives you that prop to focus on. Right. Uh, You're not really feeling like crying, but sometimes you do cry in the hoop. Sometimes you, Oh, some most of the time, I'm silly, right? I'm a silly person. You know, me from my dance. Party. <laughs> you know, me from my wacky, waving, inflatable, arm flailing dance moves <laughs> on the dance floor many years ago. But I can still be that person. I still am that person. Like 20 years later, that's still me, right? Like, I will get in the hoop and I'll wave my arms around and I'll thrust my pelvis. And I, you know, I like to bring the humor into it as well. um, Because it that's the other thing. It's like, it can be really serious, but it can be really silly. It's a freaking toy, right? Like we're playing. And that's the great thing about hooping is that essentially, whatever you are letting go within that moment, if it's like sadness, anger, which is my favorite time to hoop by the way, or like anything else, trauma, whatever, you're still playing. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I really feel like, um, you know, you were talking about the, the having not picked up the hoop and done too much movement. And when we're dealing with that, with stress, we're dealing with anxiety, when we're kind of bogged down in a way by life, mm-hmm. that movement, and I think especially when you have that prop or that object that you're also focusing on, also gives our brain that that opportunity to flood us with those really great chemicals. Mm-hmm. That those those stress hormones, like the cortisol, are taking over, and all of a sudden you're getting really beautiful serotonin. You're getting dopamine. You know, <laughs> it's like oh, I forgot how beautiful this. And I'm going to acknowledge that. Um, in in COVID, I lost. I really tried, but I lost my motivation or as my grandfather would call it my gumption Mm -hmm. yeah still trying to to reclaim that I'm actually doing a work a three-hour workshop this weekend with Audra to and she did the same she reached out she sent an email and she said what are you hoping to gain from you know the workshop and the response was I'm hoping to reconnect with myself to find that drive to move I mean, one of the things I've um, over the years did start to do was to film myself when I was dancing. And I just have a small group on Instagram that I share that with. And it's mostly people from the, the, the Tribal Fusion dance community. But sometimes I'm really surprised when I watch myself dance and I see what come, comes out because I'm really surprised by like, oh my God, look what I was holding on to. And there have been yeah. at times very sore, sorrowful, or dances and movement filled with sorrow. And I didn't realize or or know how much I was holding. And then to just have that few minutes where you just follow the flow, you pick a technique and you sink into it. And, Oh my God, look at, look at the energy I'm moving and look what was stuck in this part of my body. And, Oh, I didn't know my body could do that. That's amazing.
3: Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing. You have different minded people, right? You have the people that can let go and do the, you know, um, the moments of just kind of letting go. I, the name that I give it. uh, Oh, my surrender moments is what I call it. With my hoop. I have my, my drilling moments. Uh, where I'm cognitively focused on something particular, and then I have my um, my surrender moments where I try to not do what what is right, but what feels good. So so I think we're always so focused as Hoopers as we evolve as uh, our skill set. We're always focused on like let's get better, let's like da da da, let's do this, let's do that, let's make it perfect, right? Um, And then we forget about like, like, what way can I move that is unique and like, and weird as hell, right? Like, how can I create these weird moments? Okay, like, I'm just going to not use my hands or I'm going to pretend I'm a piece of seaweed in in the sea or whatever it is. Um, So I find that that when I was doing those kinds of workshops, I would struggle at first because I was like, oh, wait, not everybody is as weird as I am right? And they're very logically brained. And that's okay, too. Like, we need you, we need weirdos, (laughs) we need logical people. Like, we need everybody, right? For different reasons in this world. And it's just a matter of how can I teach these people how to do that and really let go. And one of them was just creating visuals for them. So like, you guys can do whatever the heck you want. And you guys over here, you, you don't know how to let go, right? So why don't you create a story in your brain and move through that story in your brain. So you could be building a campfire, you could be making a pizza, it doesn't matter, you can be walking through the woods and touching everything and, and exploring. Um, But just, it just needs to make sense to you, right? Like people ask me, what can I do with my hands? When I'm hula hooping, I always get these dinosaur hands. I'm doing the, <laughs> I know you can't see it, but we call it T-Rexing <laughs> in hooping and people are always like T-Rexing and I'm like, okay, so do something with your hands. We like, what do I do? I'm like, I don't know, write your name, like in cursive or something. It doesn't need to make sense to everybody else, it just needs to make sense to you. Right. And that's, it's, it's just interesting to, to talk about that, that like that free flow and letting go and that how there are some people out there that kind of just need a little encouragement or they just need a little, little like, okay, you do that. And then all of a sudden they're letting go and they're, you know, so I feel like the hoop has, has helped a lot of people who think a little more like, you know, who are a little more stuck in their thoughts. Uh, I, I, I feel like it's really helped them to kind of grow in that, like just letting go um, and, you know, giving zero Fs. I don't know if I'm like <laughs> there. yeah. <laughs> I, I I had
1: something similar to the TXR, T-Rex arms, yeah. both when I was a swing dancer for a decade, but also when I was taking Audra's class, that I would find that I kind of had these, really in swing dancing, my left arm would often be dead because you're doing so much with your your follow hand. Yeah. But then it, it, did, it wasn't until someone took a video of us dancing with our partners in class that we all realized I didn't move my left arm. It just hung beside me like this forgotten piece, which was actually a behavior that still continued when I started taking up tribal fusion and sinking and more into flow classes with Audra and Audra. And I actually talked about it once and she said, okay, well, when you're dancing, think about connecting your middle finger and your index finger as a point of focus so that you're bringing life to it. And I still do it now when I'm like, oh, my arms are dead, or I'm doing that thing where you t your arms. Yeah. I, I bring those two fingers together. It actually takes quite a bit of concentration to bring your middle finger and your ring finger on both hands yeah. together, and then to dance with them but still in a fluid way that doesn't look um, robotic. And I feel like movement and props really – bring you into your body and to become aware of it that maybe you weren't before. Like, Oh, I danced with a dead arm basically for 10 years and no one noticed. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. I feel like we could, um, talk about movement for hours. I I think maybe, maybe I'll tie this up with asking you for anyone who is curious about movement or getting into kind of flow practices. Mm Um, a place to start that you would suggest
3: that's a really interesting question i feel like um if you see somebody doing something whether it's dance flow arts props and it you watch that person and you are just enamored you are like oh my gosh just ask them what the hell they're doing (laughs) First of all, because maybe you don't know what they're doing. Um, talk to the person, um, ask them what they're doing, figure it out, and then see if there's any classes, take a class, just do it. I feel like a lot of us are, are afraid to go to a class because we're afraid that we're not going to know what we're doing. And I'm sorry, but that's why you go to a class. Yes, yeah, that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> to look like a beginner, to be the beginner. I go to classes, you should see me at a choreo class. Like I'm just the worst, but I have so much fun. You're getting movement in and that's kind of the important thing. And, uh, you know, just know that, everything takes practice. I know it's so cliche, but everything takes time to kind of get to that point. You're looking at a person who has probably been practicing their craft for years and you are amazed by that person because it's so beautiful. And if you want to get to that point, just give yourself some time and know that you are never going to move exactly like that person. Um, And, you know, if you're looking to start flow arts Um, you know go on Instagram and like put a hashtag like flow arts or whatever and look up like what amazing things are out there if you want to know anything about hula hooping you can always reach out to me as well because I will talk hula hooping as you can see (laughs) ever and ever
1: Well, and and I think it's worth, as a final comment from me, um, mentioning how much of these objects you can set on fire. Oh yeah, I've seen you do, and I think that we both uh, have our fingers in with the kind of the circus community um, in Toronto, and there's a lot of fire in this city. It's amazing to to see the skill of people and then the courage when they step into. What happens when I light it on fire and move with it?
3: It's adrenaline right there. Yeah. Everybody keeps going and do it. you do it once and then you're hooked, basically.
1: <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. I feel so excited for my workshop now. Um, and I'm really excited for you, for the festival you have coming up. Yeah. Um, the things that you have going on. So Amy, I really thank you so much for being here. I know how busy you are. And I know that you have things to do this afternoon. So um, thank you so much for coming today and talking to me about movement and your journey with Hooping.
3: Well, thank you so much for including me. This is a really important conversation. So thank you so much.
1: Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. Me too. If you're interested in joining the monthly Ode Bitch Boast Gathering, you can find event listings and tickets, which are free, on Eventbrite, as well as on the Town Ritual Facebook page. Search Town Rituals online. If you'd like to participate in a future podcast, please send me an email at townrituals at gmail.com, noting podcast in the subject line. Cool. Love you all. Thank you. Love you. As Thanks. grandma
3: said, love you and be wonderful. You. <laughs> That's
2: hilarious. Bye. Bye, Bye. Guys.
3: Bye. Bye.